0: Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. Today's return guest is comic book writer and really nice bloke, Nick Bryan, where I'll be asking him what comics he's been reading recently. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene. To support their work, you can become a friend of Comic Scene for just twenty pounds a year. When you become a friend, you get access to premium content on the website, including Comic Scene Weekly, newsstand comics, retro comics, Comic Shop of the Week, and free comic downloads. To find out more, visit ComicScene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Nick Bryan. How's it going?
1: Hi, hi, I'm good. Thanks,
0: Sam. I've just been running around making dinner. Yeah, totally. I've uh, yeah managed to just about get my uh, my daughter to bed without any tears, which is uh, which is always a triumph. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's always, it's always good when it goes according to plan because um, it can it can easily um, just end up in tears, and then uh, yeah, then you just. It's just a nightmare.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've <laughs> so, got a couple yeah, of friends who are off a bit late to the pub due to that sort of thing, or they turn up to the pub and then they get a phone yeah. call and they have to go back again to settle the children. It, it, seems, it seems very difficult. Yeah.
0: It is. It, it can be really tough. Um, but uh, apart from our evening woes, how's your day been?
1: Yeah, pretty good. Um, I've been working on the scripts for the last chapter of my Death of a Necromancer graphic novel because... My my artist, Rob Ahmed, is very fast and he's getting to the point where he's going to need it.
0: (laughs) There you go. That's fantastic. And we'll come on to that in a moment. Uh, But for those that haven't come across you just yet, um, what do you do in the world of comics?
1: Uh, I'm an indie writer. I've been producing comics since, I think, late 2018. Uh, I started with a trilogy of black and white one-shots, The Little Deaths of Watson Tower, Moonframe and And It Snowed, which I think I was talking about last time I was on here. Uh, That was with uh, Rob Ahmed again. And, yeah, I've just been trying to develop into bigger, more interesting projects. Like then I moved into full colour with um, Fairy Fair with Rosie Alexander. And now I'm in both full Mm -hmm. colour and like full graphic novel length for my new one.
0: Fantastic. Um, And uh, where can people find you online?
1: Uh, I am at nickbryan.com where you can find links to the Kickstarter and the various comics and also quite a lot of free short stories and one pages and stuff I did while I was starting out. And I'm at nickmb on Twitter where you can find out how my day's going and obviously at the moment see a lot of tweets about my Kickstarter.
0: As yes, well, of course. Um, and uh, talking about Kickstarter, you mentioned it earlier, Death of a Necromancer. Yeah. Um, tell us... How did that idea come to you? Um, because it, it's really interesting, isn't it, how ideas come to us? I uh, just I can't imagine that I, type of idea coming to me, so I'm interested to find out.
1: Uh, it's sort of reverse engineered itself a bit. Like I've worked with Rob Amber, Rob Amber before, as I said, we did And It Snowed. Mm. And we also did another one shot called The Catalyst uh, a bit before that, and uh, so yeah, we finished And It Snowed in. Well, I think we finished stuff around mid 2020. And then it kick-started shortly later, and we were just chatting about what we wanted to do next because he's really good, Rob. He's got a very sort of classic, clean sort of cartoony style going on. He can do pretty much anything i found. He's a great artist. Yeah. And I wanted to keep him around, yeah. and he seemed to want to keep working with me. So he said he wanted to do something in a sort of fun, goth, Tim Burtony vibe, I think. So he cited a lot of movies nice. where, you know, the characters run around in the forest with these sort of spooky or gothic figures and stuff like that so i i sort of put that in the hopper and thought about it a lot i i guess i must have had this idea of magic as a service running through my head a bit at that point because this was yeah mid late 2020 Mm. obviously peak pandemic so i yeah i yeah i was writing fairy fair and that was about varying granting their wishes or as it's also known as a service and then I sort of came up with this other idea of this chicken shop which both sacrifices chickens to use in necromancy and then sells them as meat and it just <laughs> yeah I think it might be pandemic brain a bit I got into this whole space sure. about what this service <laughs> is and what I don't know whether you, how people engage with it in terms of wanting their loved ones back and whether they care about the effect that all this dark magic has on the community, because obviously, I don't know, I guess Mm. we were talking a lot about in, in, in the the discourse, I suppose, about uh, (laughs) people, you know, whether people cared enough about their community to wear masks and all that sort of stuff. So I think there was a bit of that Mm. in it. And in, um, and yeah, the other thing I then did was towards the end of 2020, obviously November, as it always is, was a NaNoWriMo National Novel Writing Month. I don't know if you've, Stumbled across this in your own writing challenge.
0: No, I hadn't. No, no, no. sorry. Yeah, uh, it's
1: something I came across when I used to write more prose. It's um, basically the idea is that it's a sort of personal writing challenge. You write a fifty thousand word novel mm-hmm. in like a month, like thirty days, the month of November specifically, which breaks down to about one point six thousand words a day. I've done it a couple of times in prose, and since it was coming up, I decided oh, wow. to try and use it to get a full draft down of this necromancy thing I had in mind. This. What I ended up Amazing. by this point being a 100 page graphic novel. So I wrote, I divided, I, I did the division and worked out that I could do, you know, 150 divide quite well together. So I just did, like, I had to do like three or four pages a day or something in the month of November to do 100. And obviously I was, it was, in, we were in lockdown. I had very little else to do. So I cracked out a first draft in no, November 2020. And then I spent the first half of 2021 oh. editing it and the second half. 2021 getting Rob ahead on the art and now here we are.
0: Amazing. Um and you yeah, and you're going great guns at the moment. Um you're at what sixty well, two thirds funded. Mm-hmm. Um and when this episode goes live, um you'll be ten days left. Yeah. Um so you're you're well on the trajectory. But folks out there, definitely go check out Death of an Necromancer. Um, there'll be a link in the show notes, of course, but feel free just to sh- search Death of a Necromancer in, uh, in Kickstarter and, uh, and you'll be able to see it right there. But this is just the first of four, isn't it?
1: Well, I'm actually... first of
0: four chapters. Well, I'm
1: funding the whole graphic novel in one go. This is the way in which it's a bit more ambitious than what I've done before because I'm, like I say, I've written over right. 100 pages. which well, ended up being 114 because I couldn't shut up. But yeah, so... And because Rob's... <laughs> Very fast, like I think he could almost draw faster than I can. write. he's doing basically the whole thing. He's just inking chapter three at the moment, and we're going to keep going. And wow. I've we've completely finished chapter wow. one. It's been coloured by David Cooper, who worked with us before on um, the Catalyst, and lettered by DC Hopkins, mm-hmm. who's a great letterer. He's done my previous stuff with Rob. Yep. He's also, I think, doing Scott Snyder's Knock Terror and a few other like mainstream bits wow. of bobs. So yeah, he's he's a great letter. Yeah. And yeah, so the first chapter's ready now, and then. The idea is you could buy a sort of PDF subscription from the Kickstarter for a tenner and it will send you the PDFs when yeah. they're finished. And then you could also buy like the full print book. Like in a an ambitious idea of hopefully will be an amazing success. We're not doing like print single issues, but let's going <laughs> straight to a, a print graphic novel with like PDF issues, if you see what I mean. Got ya.
0: Got ya. Fantastic. Well no, that's a that's a that's a good way to do it. And uh, yeah, man. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um so, folks out there, um, definitely go go check it out. And if it's your your bag, um, go uh, go back it because um, it's, <laughs> yes, it's awesome. Uh, but it's but it's only got ten days left, so make sure that you go go check it out um, before before it ends as well. Um, and kind of on on the creative process side of things, um, it. It's been really interesting trying to create during the pandemic. Um, and it kind of de- depends on your own personal circumstances a little bit. Um, I found it really difficult because I've got young young children. Um, so my, yeah. my brain was kind of awash, <laughs> basically, <laughs> with, with like childcare, essentially. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I found it difficult at, at some stages. I've, I've got it back now. Um but at some point I was I was really struggling. Um, how was it for you? Uh
1: the biggest struggle for me, which is probably gonna sound quite self indulgent and trifling compared to yeah, actually yeah. having children in the house. Yeah, go
0: on, yeah, don't don't worry. Oh the
1: thing yeah. is I I before both like, in the before times, pre pandemic, whatever, I got very into yeah. the habit of like going to cafes with my laptop and sitting in the corner and, you know, potsing it up with a mm. coffee and <laughs> writing like that to like get out of my surroundings and get away from my distractions and my habit of just potting around the house um and yeah i i obviously i couldn't do that for most of 2020 and a fair chunk of 2021 and it i was unprepared for and slightly annoyed by how much it screwed me a bit like i started trying to use like apps that closed off my internet like i think the one i've got is cold turkey i think and there's other okay and that to try and simulate the effect and You could also get apps that make the same, the background noise of a coffee shop, but I didn't bother with those. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I, that was honestly the biggest sort of pandemic creative struggle for me. I found I was still generating sort of the weird high concepts at the same speed, but I found myself really struggling with actually sitting down and writing them.
0: Ah, right. Yeah, yeah. Not just having, not having that structure, you felt like, you know, because you had so much time. Like, you know, you could
1: do whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's partly that, it was partly just yeah, the as I say, the apparently it's just hard to focus and I'm in my house, which yeah, I can't say I've yeah. really cured this problem. The the cold turkey app helped a bit, but to be honest, I basically just waited till I could leave the house again and stormed straight out. Yeah. And sat in the corner of my local Fair
0: pub. Play. Nice. Nice. Excellent. Um and so yeah, that that's one of the main main places that you actually created death of an Necromancer is is your local
1: um well well yeah i wrote the first draft during nanowimo which was november 2020 but i think we were still in pretty full lockdown so i yeah but then i yeah i think i opened it back up in 2021 when we could go out a bit and i started and that was when it it got a lot better like the the first draft like i don't know what your relationship is with your first draft but my first drafts are often borderline (laughs) toilet paper like there's a few scenes that are still in there from the beginning of from like the first half of chapter one but aside from that a lot of it's gone
0: sure yeah yeah that's a good thing though um and you really just do have to power through that first draft don't you um and then yeah then you can properly polish it up
1: (laughs) yeah it's sometimes a bit i don't know dispiriting when you're writing like the last chapter and you're like okay i'm gonna change so much about like everything since about a quarter of the way through but this is probably all going in the bin but there's something about having a full version which I I think makes it psychologically easier to go back and tweak it.
0: Fantastic I and mean, then um, in terms of your, your style of creating do you um, create many stories at the same time or do you just focus on one at a time?
1: I find it quite useful to have more than one going at the same time because sometimes one of them mm. just doesn't want to happen and I can yeah, sort of right. then ditch it and go and do another one like I've seen A few creators recently. I don't know if it's becoming fashionable or if it's just among the sort of creators I like. Like I'm listening to interviews with like Jeff Lemire and Tom King who talk about wanting to do projects in a single block while they're like in the mood to do it so they can then switch out or come back without having to worry about schedules. And obviously, you know, I'm not producing on a strict monthly like comic company schedule. No one's chasing me for scripts, except very occasionally fairy fair fans. So I don't... I don't. There's no sense of what I need to do, but I. But yeah, I like having more than one thing on the go. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely, Um and it, it keeps your your brain kind of agile. I guess your creative brain agile. I think because um, you can get really bogged down with a story sometimes, can't you? And you need that kind of that fresh, um, fresh step away, um, and kind of yeah rethink it (laughs) through so then you can come back with a with a with newer ideas and things like that
1: yeah normally if i've been staring at the same bit or the same problem for a while i do find that yeah a bit of time away ideally working on another project or the very least just you know leaving the pub and going to bed sometimes helps
0: (laughs) no yeah definitely good good sleep is is uh is paramount to success what Something of which uh, I am not having at the moment because <laughs> I've got a because I've got a five month old, uh-huh. so um, I'm I'm, I'm sleep deprived, uh, overworked, and everything. But it's all good. I'm, I'm powering through. It's fine. do it um, for,
1: but, do it for uh, comics.
0: Yeah, exactly for the comics. <laughs> 100 percent man, 100. Uh, percent Now something else that you can do to try and refresh your mind when it comes to creativity is obviously reading. Um, comics, uh, and so with that in mind, what have you been reading recently?
1: Uh, I've been reading quite a bit. I usually sit down for an hour or two before bed, or I try to anyway, and read what normally ends up being nice. at least one or two, like, you know, six-issue connected editions of something. So I can mm. get through a fair bit of stuff when I'm on a roll, unless I'm, like, very busy or something. So a couple mm-hmm. of months back, I sat down and read the entirety of Invincible, like, literally all 150 or so mm-hmm. issues of it. Amazing. All of it. I yep. Have you... Yeah, it's there's a lot of that. It's, it's. I think I was probably partly inspired by the fact that I really liked that cartoon on Amazon last year. I think. So
0: yeah, 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 yeah the animated series. Yeah, no, they did a good job, I thought. Um, but uh, yeah, no, Invincible is one of my favourite series. Did you read
1: um, it all
0: the way through to the end? Yeah, yeah, no, I I literally jumped on about issue one hundred. Yeah. I think so. From that point on, I was, um, I was getting it um, issue by issue, basically. Um, and uh, yeah, I read it all the way through to the end. It's, uh, I love it. Yeah, no. <laughs> what, what, what were your thoughts overall?
1: Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I think there were some bits towards the beginning because, like, it, it ran obviously a long time—150 issues. That's about yeah. 13, 14 years. So it, yeah, right. so obviously there's some some stuff that's like early 2000s, and occasionally I think, okay, that's a, a gay joke that wouldn't go in today's comics. But yeah, <laughs> I, but yeah, I like the way it sort of progresses and evolves. I thought it was a lot of fun to read a superhero comic that could really like go to these extreme spaces of, yeah. changing things up and making massive Mm -hmm. structural alterations to the setup and putting the character into massively new and different situations, because obviously that's one of the big limits of, you know, Marvel DC stuff. And it was interesting seeing them go to, I don't know, these extremes. I mean, I like, I think what Robert Kirkwood does quite well in that series is this, and it's honestly quite brilliantly well done, he balances this sort of deconstructionism where he's picking holes in superheroes and saying, would it really work like this? Would it? Is this realistic? Mm. Would it? Would this not happen like this? And yes, it doesn't become a drag or stop being fun. It still has that sort of that bop, that energy, and I think it's very, it's yeah. I don't know how it does this, to be honest, but it's it's beautifully balanced.
0: It is. It's fantastic, um, and uh, yeah, no, it just goes to show that you can you can still kind of, even though you're somewhat using the same tropes, <laughs> superhero <laughs> tropes. Um, as long as you do it like in a, in a fresh new way, then it's it's still really enjoyable, um, which I thought was was absolutely fantastic. And of course, there's lots of twists and turns in there as well, of course, but
1: yeah, and also the art, especially especially Ryan Otley, I think, but everyone who worked on it, yeah, yeah, have, have yeah. It's an absolutely top tier superhero art there. Other,
0: yeah, hundred percent, and just the um, uh, the gore, um, which you don't necessarily. <laughs> Expect, I mean, you do expect it after like what issue six, or something like that. um But you know the the, the gore and just like the, the the hands going through people's bodies and stuff like that. It's like that is brutal.
1: Yeah, and the fact that it's still drawn in a sort of classic superhero style, and the fact that it's still able to feel like fun after that. I don't. Yeah, again, it's the, yeah. The the, 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 the yeah. managing the tones very impressive, and I was also quite <laughs> surprised how much of that they translated into the cartoons, To be honest, I was. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, they they even made it even gorier, (laughs) I think. Like the Guardians of the Globe fight. Like they made that gorier than it actually was in the comic.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, and the fight between him and his father at the end of season one was. Yeah. Off the scale level, of gore, Yeah. And yeah. And it was interesting how they changed that from the comic as well. Because obviously I've read. I think I've read Um, a couple of volumes of it before, but I've read the whole whole of it from the stars after seeing the show. And it was interesting how they moved right. certain reveals and the pacing out yeah
0: yeah yeah no no it, and it totally made sense in in terms of you know um it being um on on tv um all of those bits that they've done the, the changes that they made um my thought but um yeah no um it's a it's a fantastic one um how how long did that take you to read through the entire thing
1: uh invincible uh that was i think about 24 25 collected editions total um yeah so it's about one one and a bit volumes a night i think it probably took me about a month or so it's a lot. it was yeah i did blast for the weekend or anything i'm slow and steady no. winning the race here but no yeah. no no
0: that's good that's good yeah and you you want to savour it somewhat as well <laughs> like um that's awesome
1: well yeah the other thing he's good at is cliffhangers so it's good being able to you know, put it down and come back to it the next night just to find out what happens exactly. it's a nice it's a nice rhythm exactly
0: 100% man. Uh, now, uh, what what was up next on your reading list? Uh,
1: well, the other thing I went into, also in the field of superheroes, obviously around now they're launching the Moon Knight TV show and since I've got the um, Mild mm-hmm. Unlimited app thing, I decided I would go in there and read a bunch of Moon Knight comics because although he's always been a character who kind of appeals to me, I guess he's a sort of vaguely mm-hmm. urban fantasy character. There's some some deals with dark gods and stuff which is not out of my wheelhouse if you look at things like Necromancer. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's always been a sort of a vaguely appealing character, but I've read fairly little of it, so I sort of read loads of bits from Scattered Moonlight Runs. And, yeah, it's very strange, cause watching, especially because I started from the original Doug Moench, Bill Sienkiewicz stuff in the 80s, and then, mm. then there's a bit of a gap in the collection, to be honest. But then I jump forward to, like, the 2000s. And it's strange how... Surprisingly, not grim and gritty, or at least not violent and bloody and mature readersy it is at the beginning. But then by the time you get to the 2000s, it's really he's cutting people's faces off on panel or something. It's a, it's a bitch. Because, <laughs> <Hold on. laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, so Moon Knight is, is a character that I know very little about. So for those of us that aren't in the know, um, Give us, the, give us the rundown on Moon Knight.
1: Okay, uh, Moon Knight, I this is the comics version, because I've only seen the first episode of the yes. show, and they haven't really fully exposited exactly right. what this version's like. We're in the comics. Moon Knight mm. is a mercenary called Mark Spector, who is shot and left for dead in an Egyptian pyramid, a pyramid, I think, in front of a monument to the god Khonshu, and Khonshu resurrects him in, ter- in return for becoming his avatar on Earth, the, the Moon Knight. And Right. Unfortunately, it turns out as part of various past traumas, possibly including being killed, uh, Mark Spector is suffering from disassociative personality disorder. So he has multiple personalities, all of which surface and disappear at various intervals, including, <laughs> but in the comics, again, it's the millionaire Stephen Grant, the taxi driver, Jake Lockley, um, and Mark Spector himself, the sort of violent mercenary, and Moon Knight himself, and various you know, other writers have come and gone and occasionally other personalities get added or subtracted. But yeah, that's always been the basic right. setup. He's this guy with possessed by a god with multiple personalities.
0: Mm-hmm. And, so, and he's and he's an anti hero type character, is he? Uh, if he's cutting people's faces off. He's certainly or...
1: drifted a bit that way in these <laughs> in recent yeah. years, yeah. I think Right. Actually, yeah, I think he's always been treated as a bit of a weirdo compared to other Marvel yeah. characters due to his, his mental instability and his strange costume but yeah they've certainly got a bit further right. towards the violence in some of the more recent incarnations
0: right and so yeah the first incarnation was he was he just a straight up hero uh, he was um, who had uh, mental mental health issues or
1: it's interesting reading the early stuff because they never actually get that i don't know they invest deep into what exactly the mental health stuff means but like I think I read about right, the first twenty-ish yeah, yeah. issues of it, and there's a lot of scenes where his supporting cast speak to him, and he's he's a different person, and he doesn't remember the last conversation he had with him, and they're just a bit odd. It's like, are you Mark? Mm. Are you are you are you are you Stephen? Are you Moon Knight? I don't understand. But they never go full on <laughs> and say he's got this mental condition. Maybe because they didn't want to specify, or maybe he was just you know ambiguously mentally ill in a comic booky way, and no one put a name on it till later. But yeah, <laughs> it, it got a lot more specific in later editions. But it was. Interesting how they handled it in the early days, but it's definitely been around from the beginning.
0: Yeah, and then um, who are his um, main villains? I guess.
1: Uh, yeah, he's not had that many major villains. He's yeah. the guy who shot him at the very beginning was a uh, bushman, I think, which is a silly name, and is also the guy who, of course. <laughs> It's also the guy whose face he chopped off towards the start of one of the two thousands runs, ah.
0: and he did that with some clippers, did he? Uh,
1: Sorry, that's a bad
0: joke, joke. Bushman.
1: <laughs> no, he just, with, he just did it with he did it with a big <laughs> knife, as you would in the most yeah. easy way possible to chop of off a course. face. But yeah. yeah, in terms of recurring villains, there's been there's someone called what is it, Black Spectre, who turns up occasionally. I suppose there's lots of. Vaguely knight-themed people in black or white or grey costumes. There's a lot of tendency right. towards the sort of evil version of Moon Knight type character, and he also comes into quite mm. a lot of conflict with um, his god, with uh, Konshu. There's quite a lot of Konshu is actually ah, evil. Right. Uh, you know, rebellion against Konshu. Mm. I will, I will resist Konshu. I will not serve you, Konshu. There's a lot of that going on.
0: Got yeah, fascinating. Yeah, no, that's that's something that I need to try and try and. Um, get into um is it is the more niche parts of of the marvel, marvel universe and, and things like that um for sure because uh as, as you well know i'm i'm still a baby when it comes <laughs> to um, to reading comics
1: but well, if you ever want to consume huge amounts of marvel comics and you've got access to a tablet the unlimited app's pretty good
0: oh yeah no i, I would absolutely love to do that but um yeah as it stands i do Not have the time, it sounds like you're pretty busy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, unfortunately, I, I, I'm just about getting through the uh, the physical stuff that I get, um, based off of um, based off of the podcast. Um, when I when I buy stuff off of eBay, um, if if I had unlimited <laughs> access to everything that Marvel has ever produced, um, it a uh, while, yeah. I, 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 yeah, yeah, <laughs> wouldn't he, be able to get around to it. Yeah, the run
1: by Jeff Lemire and uh, was it Greg Smallwood from a few years ago is pretty good. If anyone wants a starting point on Moon Knight, that was okay. Very so sorry, what was that one? Uh, Jeff Lemire, I think it's Lemire actually. Yeah, Jeff yeah,
0: Lemire, yeah. Well, Greg Smallwood, yeah, Lemire and Smallwood. And then what's the what's the actual? Is it just that's just their run, or does it have a it, specific?
1: It was just their um, run. I title. think it was the late 2010s. That one. Um, it has a sort of okay. stylized white gray cover thing going on. You're Probably be able to work it out. I don't think definitely has done any other Moonlight stuff. So it's like, it was only 12 to 14 issues. So it's just like three volumes or possibly, there might even be a a single nice hardback by
0: Okay. Well, that'd be handy.
1: And yeah, they go back and do a bit words. of flashback stuff to, to the origin as well. So it's quite a good sort of intro.
0: Starting point. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, and then uh, what was what was up next on your reading list?
1: Uh, I also read uh, Destroy All Monsters, which is the third uh, reckless graphic novel, which is the series of books by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips about this mm. sort of old school pulp detective, sort of less a detective, more a fixer character, I guess, who solves problems that people bring to him from his sort of business headquarters in this old cinema. And yeah, this is... This was I think sort of Ed Brubaker's pandemic project because there was a bit of right. uncertainty about like single issues still coming out. He and Sean Phillips, mm-hmm. who had been working together for a while, decided to do this like series of graphic novels, this sort of bigger books that they could, you know, squibbl away and work on during the pandemic. And they seem to have been a massive success. Sure. They've done three of them and they're about to do another one in about a month or so. And yeah, I, I gather they've been selling in huge piles
0: yeah yeah as <laughs> well doing another one um that's cool um and so um what's kind of the um the general premise of the, of this one in particular sorry
1: uh, destroy all monsters is i think the uh, this is an interesting one because the first two were quite quite sort of tropey mysteries like the guy gets hired he stumbles through the underworld he beats up a few people and he eventually discovers some sort of evil criminal. And he's got this assistant, uh, Anna, I think, who works in the cinema with him. And in the third one, they go into her character a bit and her background and finally establish a bit of where she came from, which feels like about time because she's just been sort of hanging around for the first two books. So it's, it's been interesting to see some more of that. And it's mm-hmm. part of the the style as well. It's, it's interesting because I don't know if you've read any of the other Brubaker Phillips stuff. They're quite well known for this sort of noir thing, this sort of dark, shadowy crime.
0: Yeah. And yeah, that's what I
1: hear, yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing about Vecklus is it's got this sort of California surf vibe, like Ethan Veckless, the main character, is this he's not like a guy a, I don't know, a a skinny guy in a massive coat, he's this sort of big broad guy with blonde hair. And it's this sort of slightly sunnier California vibe. But it's got it's it's an interesting setup, but it's also got this sort of pulp detective thing going on pretty strongly as well.
0: Nice. Awesome. Yeah, so that'd be another one um, to that's got a nice clear start and end.
1: Yeah, yeah, they just seem to be churning these out once every six months or so. As I say, it seems to have done pretty well for them. They've—I don't know if they're going to go back to doing single issues at any point, but it's because I know every so often people say, "Oh, you know, single issues are dying. Graphic novels are the future." And to be honest, I've, I've been hovering around comics as a whole since. Late nineties, early two thousands, and it's people have been saying that continuously ever since. And I guess Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips moving fully away from comics to graphic novels is possibly one of the first signs that something like that might be happening, or maybe it's just that they're the only two people big enough to do it. Who can tell?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's the thing, isn't it? It's always difficult. Um, I mean, there'll always be uh, you know some sort of market for single issues, but um, it kind of yeah. Makes sense. We'll, we'll,
1: we'll see how the Death of the Deck of Once a Kickstarter does. That might be a good indication about yeah. the market for graphic novels.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Fantastic. <laughs> um now, uh what's what what was next on your recent reading list?
1: Uh this is a broader one, but yeah, I on a bit of a whim, man, because there was a, a relevant comicsology sale, I bought a pile of Batman Dark Detective collections. These are like collecting, I think, the post crisis detective comics issues from the eighties or nineties. Uh, these are they're by a few creators, but the main chunk I read were by uh, John Wagner, who's, as you may know, best known for creating Judge Dredd, and Alan Grant, another yes. British writer, and mostly drawn mm-hmm. by Norm Brayfogle. And they had this lengthy run on Batman, I think, co-writing for a while. And then I think Alan Grant took over solo in the sort of late 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s. And I think, to be honest, the main reason I wanted to finally read them was because I... They're the first stories I remember reading about Batman when I was first buying comics for my local news agent, aged about 10. And, yeah, there's this story called Fever, which is at the start of maybe volume two or three of the Dark Detective books, which is about the, the ventriloquist, the crime lord who talks entirely through his ventriloquist dummy. And there's a lot of really intense detail about the ventriloquist drug trade and people huffing up this fake drug fever on camber and hit them killing one of their subordinate thugs and something a so they can so a load of fever inside his corpse and ship it across borders. And my main conclusion to be honest is that my mum was probably right, I probably shouldn't have been meeting those at age aged about ten. But yeah, of <laughs> good course. good comics though.
0: <laughs> Say it, Lee. Totally. Uh, well, plus you probably didn't understand half of what was going on. Um, Respectively, uh, no, I
1: really didn't.
0: <laughs> no, like, I mean, it, it amazes me. Like, I was thinking the other day just in terms of, you know, the, the type of films that I used to watch, and then you re-watch them now. And you're like, did I really watch that when I was 10? Um, like, it, it seems like I shouldn't have watched that. But then, you know, at the time... You know, some of the stuff just goes completely over your head, so you don't really think about it.
1: Yeah, I was watching like The West Wing when I was about twelve, and I enjoyed the little, the, the sort of bantery, jokey jokes, but I don't really think I understood most of the politics. Never mind. <laughs> but yeah, no. The...
0: no, no, definitely not. <laughs> It'd be complicated But,
1: <laughs> but yeah, the little, the bat the Grant Batman stuff. It's it's very good. It's got. A... I think this was hmm. slightly before we got into this habit of Batman being this sort of terrifying godlike gothic presence you know it's obviously it's very dark as i say there's drugs there's people being chopped up and drugs put inside them it's not light reading but but (laughs) but we haven't yet got into this sort of pretentious gothic stage batman still sort of hangs around in the daylight having chats with people he's still got like the bright yellow logo on his Mm -hmm. chest it's it's a a mix of this both this is both quite clearly one of the places where the quite grim tiny modern Batman we have mm-hmm. came from, but also he has quite become yeah. this like Gothic legend figure. And it's interesting to see that maybe starting yeah. to sort of come towards happening. I don't know.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. This was maybe a prelude, but before, before he went through his emo phase. Um, but Um uh,
1: <laughs> Yeah. Before we went through whatever the hell happened to him in the nineties, uh, Nightfall, yeah. whatever else, and just started living, <laughs> living on gargoyles. Considering that Batman's like default position is now squatting on top of gargoyles, there's surprisingly little of that in these issues.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Oh, that's cool. That's fantastic. And so, um, sorry that that was a that was because you came across a, a deal on Comicsology.
1: Yeah, they had a sale on, I guess, to tie in with the batman movie yeah. the batman that came out of a few months and ago.
0: now let me get this straight so comiXology is now kind of part of <laughs> kindle isn't it it's been merged into kindle somehow
1: yeah basically i think they discontinued the Comicsology website and replaced it with just a comic section yeah. of the kindle website or the amazon website so
0: yeah and they... i think because if it, like for you as a creator have you have, have you submitted any of your stuff into comiXology previously
1: well yeah it does annoy me mildly just from that perspective because i'd submitted my stuff to Comicsology through their open submission program which is i think submit it was called and they've just deleted all of it they just haven't carried it over my comics they're gone
0: oh they haven't carried it over no no, i haven't checked actually because i've got milford i did milford green um through that and all that jazz so they haven't carried it over and so then you need to re-upload it what through kdp
1: Basically, yeah, you need to Kindle, use the Kindle Direct period. Publishing, Kindle creating, Kindle comic creating magic gadget app, and you need to put it up yourself. And oh, I think, dear. I think they've, yeah, they they did all the um, you know, you know, you know, Comicsology comics have that sort of panel by panel guided view thing, and yeah, yeah. when you submitted stuff to Comicsology, submits they did it for you, which I'd, I'd assume was someone yeah. in an office somewhere being Amazon. I'm assuming someone quite underpaid, and. Yeah, someone had oh, taken like a... this... Intense. Yeah. It was
0: definitely intense. I know, you're right. They were probably yeah. working
1: for three. Um, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, someone had done this and they'd taken a time to grab this track onto my comics. I, I checked a couple of them. They did a good job. But that, that yeah. work's just been peed away and now they just want me to do it again to upload to Kindle, which seems a bit of a shame. <laughs> and, and also now oh, I have to do it myself oh, manually oh. because they have just deleted this. But I, yeah, it just seems a bit of a waste. I mean, I'll do. I, I guess I'll probably do it eventually, but it seems a bit of a waste.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you have to do it out of necessity, but um, it's it's definitely leaves a bitter taste in your mouth, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm having to do that again. It's so frustrating.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a as a reader, I'm sort of tolerating it. I think the the new website isn't as good because the comicsology website was more geared right. towards comics. But from a creator perspective, yeah, it seems a bit pointless. Pointless laziness, to be honest i'm sure they could have converted that stuff a lot yeah, but it seems sure. like they just they just grab, they grabbed just ontology so. and shoved it inside amazon with at the lowest effort way possible just to crush it yeah. on in there without really trying to finesse yeah. it at all it was is what it, it feels like was, wasn't it we don't oh, want to support yeah, two websites well, anymore and... yeah
0: no exactly yeah we we can't afford it definitely not <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> Oh poor Amazon! Um, anyway, um, what was it? What was your final uh, recent read? Uh,
1: this was something I read the other day. This was the first volume of "We Only Find Them When They're Dead" by Al Ewing and Simone De mm. This was a creator-owned series they published through Boom. I think, I think last, year, I think either last year or the year before it started. There's been a couple of volumes out, I think. And this is mm. a sort of high concept thing about. Uh, it's a sort of spaceship-based future where. There's a there's an economy driven by these tiny little spaceships who fly around finding these enormous dead gods and then chopping them up for meat and then funding themselves by selling this meat on. And they have these, like, coroners and lasers to chop the gods up with. And there's lots of little ships all fighting over who gets the prime cuts of God. And it's it's, it's interesting, yeah. I enjoyed how visceral it became about chopping up meat. It's cause it's one of these things where the premise is quite lofty and Jack Kirby ish, you know, like these sort of gods. They're clearly vaguely based on like huge Kirby ish figures, like you know Galactus or something. And, right. and what our view is doing is digging into this notion of you know they're dead and they're floating in space and they're just meat. And it's just make it's a it's just a, a fascinating and at times disturbing way of looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but Al Ewing's done a lot of stuff at Marvel. Like I think he did, was it Ultimates and a couple of Avengers books, and of course Immortal Hulk, where he has these sort of quite interesting, sometimes slightly visceral or horrific takes on these sort of big cosmic concepts. And yeah, I guess he's he's doing that again.
0: Yeah, um, and th- and this, I was looking at it earlier. Um, this has a really interesting art style, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, the art's really gorgeous. It's got this sort of, the sort of digital painting thing with this sort of patches yeah. of like of one specific colour on all the different characters and stuff. It's great. It's 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 really lovely to be honest. Having read a whole book of it the other day, yeah, it's beautiful stuff.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Oh, that's really cool. That's definitely something that I'm going to have to um, have a have a go with myself. It's also it's
1: also quite Star Trekky, which I hadn't quite prepare myself for going in which but is actually quite nice it's got it's quite you know about the sort of dynamic Mm. between the crew and how the ship works and how the space the layout works and how it compares to the other ships and stuff as as well as the sort of big cosmic stuff there's also that slightly more grounded moment-to-moment star trek stuff which i thought was quite cool
0: totally yeah no it's it's really cool um so yeah no it's definitely one i'm gonna have to add add to my reading um Reading pile, just say say that, and I will. I'll, I'll get through it one by one, but uh, yeah, it's gonna take some time.
1: No, no, do it. I'm definitely gonna get volume two as soon as I can.
0: Awesome, nice man, wicked. Um, well, um, apart from you know, Death of a Necromancer and uh, your recent reading, do you have any future projects in mind? Uh,
1: well, issue two of Fairy Fair, my story about fairy wish granting as a service which mm. is drawn by rosie alexander is on the way i signed off the layouts for rosie about a month ago and she's now working through the sort of line art so i'm vaguely hoping to get that onto kickstarter sort of mid through the year like july august or so again vaguely maybe hoping to have it for thought bubble if i get a table at thought bubble which as of this recording i do not mm. know if i have but yeah, yeah that's no, the next big thing. The, uh, yeah, and, cool. got, and then,
0: are you going to any other um, cons or anything?
1: Uh, I actually, as of a couple of days ago, I got accepted for London MCM in May, so yeah. I, I will be there.
0: So did I, but I can't make it, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> which is really annoying. I know I would have been there, but um, I've got I've got a family get together that that came to be after I'd applied, um, so I would have been there. But, um, yeah, I cannot, <laughs> which really sucks. But.
1: but, yeah, I'll be there with Fairy Fair and and It's Node and whatever other comics I can find. Sadly, even if we fund, which hopefully we will, Death of the Necromancer will not be ready for that time except in sort of PDF form. Uh, but, yeah, but I'll be there with yeah. all the stuff I've got. And I'm also doing – this is a, a smaller, more niche one – but I'm also doing the South London Comic and Zine Fair in early July because I know the guys who are organising it and it's very near my house. So it's perfect. <laughs> it is great. I... <laughs>
0: nice. And then, um... go on.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, I I do want to do a wide range of conventions, but also I try, I'm try. i trying really not to do too many of it involve you know, lengthy train journeys and hotel stays, because that's what really jacks up the cost. So I've been happy to find a few to do in London. Okay.
0: Exactly, exactly. Um, and then um, you were about to say something before I cut in, asking you about cons. Did you have any other kind of comic projects?
1: Um, I've got one other thing which I've which I've done some scripts for, which is a sort of one writer anthology about a single character with multiple artists. But I'm that's probably not going to happen until next year at the earliest because. Well, to be honest, a lot of my comic doing budget is somewhat committed to Necromancer and Fairy Fair, but hopefully that'll happen and it'll be good when it does.
0: Nice, excellent, dude. Um, well, um, thanks again for your time, Nick. It's, it's it's always a pleasure to catch up. And sorry I couldn't come to MCM. Um, wish I could, wish I could have been there um but uh that's uh that's family life for you and uh yeah no um but uh, i have applied for thought bubble so hopefully i'll see you at thought bubble
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah good, good good luck to us both
0: <laughs> absolutely man absolutely um and uh, yeah no uh folks go go check out death of a necromancer go follow nick on uh, on twitter and whatnot all those links are in the show notes and uh other than that nick i i, I wish you all the best for these these last 10 days
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. See you soon.
0: See you soon, mate. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Nick for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use as not only will let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Nick's work, or follow him on social media. There's links from the show notes along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which... If you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and lots of other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.